Mr. Feeney! Angela! Resident advisor McGuire. Good morning, Angela, my Angela. Shut it. Were you mad at me? I nearly broke my toe trying to get over a car on the way to the closet. A car? In, In your, your room? room? <laughs> Isn't that a violation of dorm rules? You know, we should report her to the authorities. But she is the authorities. There's a car in your room, lady! <laughs> oh, you both think you're so clever, don't you? Yeah, I pretty much for you. Get him, Feeney. Gentlemen, <clears throat> this kind of behavior is juvenile and unbefitting of college sophomores. Did you really put a car in her room? That's great. <laughs> However, uh, these kinds of antics will not be tolerated. How did you do it? Looky, 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 looky. Mr. Feeney. I'm sorry, Miss McGuire, but there are no rules on the books about putting cars in rooms. Was there loud music emanating from the car? No. Then you got nothing. They set off my alarm to wake me up. Well, now that's just plain brilliant. <laughs> You're not going to teach them a lesson? No. And you can't make me. Okay, for the past two years, I've had to endure all these stories about the great Mr. Feeney and his amazing lessons, and now they put a Volkswagen in my room and you have not one lousy lesson? All right, here's a lesson. Relax, take a nice drive into your closet. <laughs> Company. I'm Drew. And I'm Brent. We're starting off our third season with podcaster Ashford Wright. We nerd out about comic books, strong female leads, his multiple podcasts concerning both, and then on to his discovery of Doctor Who. Then we settle in for Ashford's Pick of the Month, a classic of the ABC's TGIF lineup, the seven-year odyssey that is Boy Meets World. <laughs> but before we get to it, I wanted to let listeners know that I'll be at Gallifrey 1 in a few weeks, so if you're there, please, come up. Say hi. And all that's coming up right after this. Boy Meets World will be right back on TGIF. Ah, the mystical end of TGIF, where anything can happen, and usually does. Fine! <laughs> oh, I can't do it anymore. Welcome to Season 3. Our guest this month is a prolific podcaster who can be heard on many podcasts, including the Four Who Rule, a Seinfeld podcast... The Birds of Prey podcast, The Huntress podcast, The Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast, and of course, Straight Out of Gallifrey. Ashford Wright, welcome to Who and Company. 
I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Hey, welcome. We're we're excited to have you here. Uh, uh, Ashford, I'm not going to lie. That's a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> how'd you get involved in podcasting? You know what? Maybe it's just a cry for help. Um, <laughs> it's it always. Yeah. I think uh, in 2014, 2015, that's when I first started really diving into them and you know discovering them and I think I followed a couple of Doctor Who centric podcasts mm-hmm. and then um, you know I actually have a degree in radio television I don't use it but uh, I, I think this was the next step and you know as you get older friends they they have responsibilities families and all that stuff so I think this was just a uh, this was something that I wanted to pursue. I thought it was interesting, and I like talking. Yeah, well, you're good at it. We've we've been listening to your podcast for a oh, while now. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, awesome. So, um, okay, you have a degree, which is that's. I think that's the the first I've heard from anyone I've talked with who's who's involved in podcasting uh, about actually the production of it. But prior to podcasting, um, were you putting yourself out there on any other kind of medium? No, like I, I would do things like uh, well, right right now I'm working on this uh, this thing called Woodlands Online. It's some it's some entity that's on the outskirts of my town. Where I mean, think of it like you know Wayne's World Public Access, and mm-hmm. it's called Nerd News Now, and that's something where it's video and audio, and it's myself, this woman named Miss Jen that owns and runs a comic book store, but she doesn't like to say that. But it's it's obvious and out there. It's something she's trying to involve these other comic book people that run stores, and she wants to make it seem like she's not in charge, so she won't bring it up. But it would help if she did. So that's weird. And then my friend Mark, he's kind of my partner at the Right On Network that we do with these podcasts, and there we have a show called Nerd News Now, where we try to give you all the information you need about geek culture like movies tv shows comics you know the whatnots well that's cool i was gonna say because the majority of your podcasts revolve around comics and television um uh this is obviously something that you're very passionate about when you decided to start these podcasts and start this this different forms of entertainment um what were you thinking about uh, as far as bringing to that discussion like when you listened to what was out there and went you know what I got to do this because you're bringing your own voice to it. So what was it that kind of inspired you to, to take that step? So everything that I do, it always has this roundabout way, this agenda. So like, I believe in Huckleberry Finn, you know, you have Tom Sawyer and, and that's, you know, it's some old school type literature as far as uh, American literature, but it's more is is driven is a little more lighthearted, but then you have Huckleberry Finn, where it's dealing with some serious issues, yeah. and like towards the end of that book, Tom Sawyer pops up, like, "Hey guys," and he tries to help, but he does it in this roundabout way, where it's kind of like instead of just using a straight line, he's going around the world, like how I'm answering this question. So the reason why I started the first podcast straight out of Gallifrey is because like, all right, I know I want to do a Doctor Who podcast. So, because I really like Doctor Who and I want to talk about it. But I know I want to come at it from a different angle. So, what do I like? And I love Gallifreyan culture. I like Time Lords mm. because, uh, you know, I didn't grow up watching Doctor Who. 
So when I found out, like, oh, okay, you know, I, I started with Rose. And when I discovered that, wait a minute, okay, so I, I know that Doctor Who is an older show. Oh, and his people were alive? Oh, I like that idea. A lot of people don't. A lot of people think that anytime you bring up Time Lords, it just gets a little muddy and murky. So I was like, that's what I'll do. That'll be my angle. I'll talk about the Doctor Who episodes that feature Time Lords and Time Ladies. And then with the Birds of Prey podcast, I knew I wanted to revisit that run. And this would be an excuse to do it. That's how no, it all started. I, that's cool. I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to full transparency. I haven't listened to your other podcasts that were not Doctor Who related. So I've listened to Straight Out of Gallifrey. But I haven't listened to the other ones, even though it's very much in my wheelhouse because I, I'm, I'm also very much a comics person. Um, you have several podcasts that involve members of the Batman family. I think we can safely call all, all three of those the Batman family. I mean, most of the characters spawn from that book. Why give individual attention to each one of those characters rather than include them into one podcast. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you said like, Hey, you're really big time into the bat family. And I was like, yeah, you know what? These podcasts are kind of geared towards that. And you would, if you know, if you, when you rattled them off, you're like, well, that's obvious, but they have so many different voices. So like the only thing that I ever thought about as far as, those podcasts under one umbrella, I knew that they were um, embarrassingly DC centric. <laughs> All right. And I knew that they were uh, female driven books. I knew that part, but I never really put thought into, Oh, this is all bat family. So with birds of prey, you have that whole entity. And when I really started like in the nineties, the only comics I would read is if someone put things in my hands. Like, they're like, hey, check this out. Like, oh, okay. But then after that, I was reading, like, indie books. But, like, it wasn't until 2004 where I was like, oh, okay, I'll read superhero stuff. And Birds of Prey just kind of led me towards the DC persuasion. Sure. But then you have someone like Cassandra Kane, where I just thought that was a cool character. So I started getting into that, and then... My favorite comic book character of all time is Helena Bertinelli, Huntress. And I wanted to just do a blog, and then I was just like, ah, just pull the trigger. <laughs> I did the podcast, and I, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely, And we're getting a lot of good responses from it. But, yeah, I, I love peripheral characters. So that's how I looked at it, too. Like, the big three, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you can't really touch them. Like, if you did something to change them, people would flip out. But like Cassandra Kane, the movie's coming out and that character's going to be in the movie. But if you kind of tweak it, no one would say anything. Like everyone loves uh, Guardians of the Galaxy right now. But 10 years ago, if I were to mention Guardians of the Galaxy, they'd be like, what are you talking about? So if sure. you change those characters on the big screen, even if someone was reading them hardcore, they wouldn't go, wait a minute, that's not how Star-Lord went. But if we kind of changed Thor a little bit, or even Batman, we would it would be blood in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> I like per peripheral characters. I, I don't know what it is. I just I like that. No, I di I completely understand because you are allowed to experiment with them. Uh, I haven't been an active sales rack 
comic reader in quite some time and I have you know many friends in the industry and I always feel bad because I'm not supporting their their business on a monthly basis but when the trades come out I get those because what I really want to do is I want to be able to read them and, I, and I'm a children's librarian so for me it's reading it and then passing it on to the kids um, so I'm usually four or five months behind any titles so when the big stuff happens the news is generally spoiled for me so for instance Tom King's run on Batman now all that I still haven't read up to the point where he's getting these big life changes but I know about them because everyone's talking about them and I'm just not going to spoil that stuff on a on a Doctor Who podcast so I'll hold off from there but I get what you say about the peripheral characters because they provide so much enrichment to the story existing storylines and the the bat family has possibly the best i mean you know not only does it have uh, batman and company have such great villains but they have such great friends and associates i mean even down to someone like commissioner gordon who somehow manages to find his way into all these titles in one form or another because gotham is as much of a character as any of the other characters in the books uh to see how those characters move and grow and evolve, I find fascinating. I gotta ask, what is it about Huntress that you find so appealing? Oh, man. Well, uh, I don't know. You know, okay, so do you? are you guys familiar with a show called You Can't Do That on Television? <laughs> I am. Okay. I am. Uh, so, sorry, I should have said, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's gonna come up later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm 40 right now. You know, I just turned 40 this month. So Congratulations. I was, Happy birthday. Thank you. I went around uh, I went around the sun one good time. I did it again. So uh, <laughs> I love, like, okay, so when I was a kid, that's, like, my first memories. You know, like, I, I would watch Three's Company a lot, and you have Jack Tripper. He was really uh, nice with the girls, all right, so, like, as far as, like, his roommates, you know, he would act crazy, but he was very kind to them. And then you had the show You Can't Do That on Television where they had a character on there named Christina. They would call her Moose. And yep. she was the leader. So she led that show. Like, it was a sketch comedy show for kids, and she led it. And I don't know as a kid if I had a crush on her or if I thought, like, oh, she would be cool to have as an older sister. I can't remember my thoughts about that, but I guess... That had an imprint on me, like, women, lead characters. Right. So, like, Huntress, I love her attitude of, she kind of has that I'm Jenny from the block vibe. Where it's like, you know, like, I'm a tough chick. You know, I have a soft side. I will take my Justice League of America card and I will throw it against the Martian Manhunter's chest. I remember that. anyone else, he would have laid them out. But for some reason, she can get away with it. I love that type of appeal. I just love that. And then I think, you know, her costume, like just her outfit is cool, but just her attitude. Mm-hmm. And then I think because of Christina, I have a, um, I guess, like a, a bias leaning towards brunettes, and she's brunette. So it's all that stuff going on. And, and she's a part of the Bat Family. So you get that Bat Family thing, but she's her own thing too. And they they always discount her and push her around and she's not having it no no that's that's definitely a character who is not going to take it um i i'm old enough to remember when she was 
from I can't remember which Earth she's originally from. Is she Earth Two? She's Earth Two. Uh, Earth Earth Helena two. Wayne. So, yeah, Helena Wayne. So I remember that as a character. And before we got uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths in '85, when everything got mashed together and she became part of the series, I don't think I really remember seeing her as a regular character until. Oh boy, early, early, no, mid to late '90s <clears throat> during the um, uh, the big earthquake in Gotham. What was Cataclysm? The name of- Cataclysm. Yeah. What a fantastic series! Which I believe is also the introduction of Cassandra Cain. Correct? She shows No up- Man's Land. So Cataclysm no, no, leads into No Man's, is Land. No Man's Land. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Brent, are we? <laughs> we got off the rails a little much for you, bud. No, no, no. I'm I'm having fun listening and uh, being educated here. I I was not. I mean, I had a few comics as I was growing up, but I wasn't really into it like that. But uh, the one thing I was gonna say is uh, you were talking earlier, Ashford, about uh, how you can't change Superman or Batman or uh, or there'll be blood in the streets. Well, I I remember when. Uh, the Superman comic came out where he got killed, and everybody freaked out, and they're like, "I can't believe they did this!" and and people fell for it because <laughs> it was the biggest marketing gimmick ever, and and they had the, uh, I still have the uh, the comic that's in the um, the black wrapping, yeah, with with oh, the yes. Superman logo and it's bleeding, uh, and it's unopened. And uh, I still have that. And then, of course, a few months later, you have the one that's in white, um, where he came back as like four different Supermen, and which one was the real one, and all that. That was that was a really cool time. So I, I did buy into all that, but yeah, I'm I'm not a week to week guy. So uh, I'm just kind of following along here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you guys. See, um, like like I said, I've dropped off on the the regular scene. Like I couldn't tell you what's going on in comics books these days, but from the late seventies to late nineties, early two thousands, that's was sort of between role playing games and comic books. That was my life, and that's kind of what I. That's the hub of my information, um, and in particular, when Cataclysm and No Man's Land came out, I was working for. Uh, what was then, I guess, Walden Books, Borders, that chain. And when you're working in a store and all the books are coming in on a regular basis and you don't have to worry about buying them, you could just read them. Uh, I was fascinated by this. And Brent, just so you know, and our listeners just start going, uh, this, I thought we were going to talk about Doctor Who. We're going to turn this off now. <laughs> uh, Gotham essentially gets destroyed by a massive earthquake. And uh, the... Everything just kind of goes to hell, and everyone breaks out, and uh, it, they pull a um, escape from New York, where they essentially the rest of the United States just says, "You know, we're just going to let Gotham deal with Gotham," and they and they uh, kind of Batman and his crew sort of just have to rein in everything, and all the the Arkham inmates split the territory into their into different gangs. It was brilliant super fun i think it's a good way to introduce someone to the batman universe that's a, that's how they got me yeah that's a great point yeah i think uh and i don't watch gotham do you watch gotham the tv no, show no i do yeah. not no i've heard I, good I, things 
that'd be i mean like i have no idea uh if if they would ever try pulling something like that but it would be great to have a uh you know maybe a two or three part episode where we we had a cataclysm or a, a no man's land um right okay <laughs> we yeah, should sorry. probably <laughs> rein this in and and talk a little bit about doctor who you've you've already alluded to the fact that you started with rose is that correct that is absolutely correct. So when did you when did this happen? When did you first get introduced? This happened in the summer of 2012. All right, uh, I'm a school teacher, and I moved to a different district, and I was big time. That was when I was like on a Green Lantern tear, you know, <laughs> the Jeff Johns run. Sure, it was just awesome, just stream of consciousness. And this kid kind of knew, like, hey, I think you would like the show Doctor Who. And I remember Doctor Who, like, it was in the ads at that time, and Matt Smith was the doctor. And I can't verify this. I would bet $117. For some reason, I think I saw, um, I think I saw Snake Dance and uh, Curse of Fenric. When I was a kid in the 80s, but I can't verify that. But yeah, so it's, it started summer 2012. And I remember like in 2003 or something, there was like a sci-fi channel and they had an old school. Uh, oh, now I'm drawing a blank on the show where uh, with Starbuck. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar yeah. Galactica, the original series. Mm-hmm. That was on in the background, and they were doing some interesting stuff on there. And I was like, I want to revisit that one day. And then about a decade later, I did, and I watched Old School Battlestar Galactica, and that got me in the mood for sci-fi uh-huh. because that was a time where uh, maybe a couple of years before that, I watched The Wire and I finished it, and when I was done, it ruined me for television because it was like I can't take anything seriously now. And then one day I was just like, oh, I'll watch this old school about Star Galactica. And then I was like, you know what? Okay, let me try this Doctor Who thing. So, and it was one of those situations where I I, I was like, I'm just going to let it play. I have no expectations. It's not, you know, so we're here now, entertain us. Like, I'm not going to have that attitude. And I just let them roll. I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of quirky or whatever. And then I really got into it. And then I just really got into it. That's great. It's funny how... You can see, like, the pictures on my phone. It goes from just Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Then, like, my Facebook posts at that time is just Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Do you have a favorite Doctor? Yes. You know, to be politically correct, I would say, like, I love all of them equally. But it's Tom Baker. And that's kind of crazy because I started with Rose and then it's just, dude, Tom Baker, he just took over my life. Like, mm-hmm. I cosplay as him, and I go to bars just like Tom Baker. Awesome. Like, they just know, like, that's that dude that wears that scarf. Like, I wear it to work. <laughs> because it, it's cool because, like, let's say, like, man, I really love Green Lantern. But you can't stealth geek as Green Lantern. Like, they're like, dude, this guy showed up to work as Green Lantern. But when I dress as Tom Baker, people are like, oh, you're dapper. That scarf is kind of weird. But you're dressed up, so you get away with it. You said you were a um, school teacher. Do you use Doctor Who in any of your studies? Uh, okay, so that's a tricky one. Uh, one time I showed the do I have the right speech, and then I led that into 
the Zygon inversion speech mm-hmm. and then like showing uh, Peter Capaldi leaving uh, a young Davros on the battlefield to kind of teach kindness because then at the end it, he was like, okay, I left him on the battlefield and then in the end he still became a psycho killer. So let me go back and show him kindness as a kid and then that'll give him the DNA of those Daleks. So I have shown that and I remember like when I first got into Doctor Who, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I would kind of reference it and I would have the paraphernalia in my classroom. And then when Rachel Talalay, when she did that episode, uh, Dark Water and Death in Heaven, those things freaked me out so much. I got rid of all this <laughs> stuff. Dude, it scared the heck out of me. And that whole thing about uh, don't cremate me. I thought that was going to end up being a stink. Like, remember, like, in the 80s and 90s, something would happen on a show, and we would, like, protest, like, get this out of here. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> rap music, get it out of here. So I was expecting that, and then I was like, dude, I was the only person that freaked out about that. So Your podcast, Straight out of Gallifrey, started out, uh, um, as I remember, started out mostly um, going through all the stories that took place on Gallifrey, right? Well, it was about... Um, any episode that featured a Time Lord. So they could right. be on Earth, but it's just, hey, that's my people. Look at that. And I mentioned um, earlier about, you know, Tom Sawyer popping up in uh, Huckleberry Finn going like, hey, I got this idea. The reason why I started Straight Eye Gallifrey is just so I could talk about Romana 1 and 2. <laughs> Not thinking like, but you know you're going to have to cover Trial of a Time Lord, right? And it's like, oh, drats. oh crud no i i enjoy uh colin baker actually well let me ask you uh one more thing before we switch gears uh what have you thought about uh this past season series 11 of doctor who oh man okay i pre-ordered it and i don't pre-order anything really um so i pre-ordered it so i can get it on blu-ray immediately uh rosa blew my mind I declared, um, well, I guess I'm contradicting myself because I said that Jodie Whittaker was my doctor now because in in Rosa, there was a part where like the cop, he said some derogatory things about the companions and Mm -hmm. the doctor said, I don't recognize anyone by that description. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is, that, (laughs) oh wow. Uh, There were two episodes that I I can't defend um, the Syringa Conundrum. I can't wait to revisit that and try to like it. It's, there's some podcasters I know that, um, I don't know them, but I listen to them, and they enjoy it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to give that one more go. And then the the Battle of Roskonoff Locus, whatever that was called, <laughs> I, I was just like, I cannot support this. But I loved it. I love the cast. Um, they brought up some stories like the... Demons of the Punjab, where I was like, I, was, I wasn't familiar with that history. Uh, there were things that they brought up in the Witchfinders where I was like, I was not aware of that about King James. So I thought they did a great job because I'm usually, like, I'm kind of a uh, a good man goes to war type Doctor Who guy. Like, I like when Doctor Who is kind of boom, bam, fragmented mess. Usually the historicals, they don't strike my fancy. And in this one, the three historicals, they're my favorite. So uh, I enjoyed it. I love Peter Capaldi and the Moffat era so much 
So I have to kind of check my prejudice at the door because I know I can't just be like, this feels so different. Like there's no arc, the panace and the, the banter is not there. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you got to remember this is not the same showrunner. This is not the, so it's different. So are you, do you not like what's going on because it's different or do you not like what's going on because you don't like it? So uh, I guess just to answer your question. I can't rate. I can't wait to revisit series eleven. Put it to you that way. Good. I mean, that's always nice to hear. You know, <clears throat> even folks who we've talked to who haven't really enjoyed series eleven, and, and I, I think it's safe to say that I think we've talked to more folks who did than didn't. Um, those folks are certainly still willing to give it another shot, and I, and I I enjoyed it not as much as I wanted to enjoy it, but I also haven't given myself that opportunity. To go back and rewatch it from the beginning, I've only rewatched two or three of the episodes, so I look I, I look forward to giving myself that extra chance when I get some time. You know, I did the same thing where I watched the first three episodes. Like I would watch it and then I would buy it off iTunes, and then I stopped myself. I was like, "No, you know what? Save this and just wait for the Blu-ray." So mm-hmm. you have to rewatch them because you bought it. That's a good way of doing it. I <laughs> did you watch the original? Uh, airings on BBC America. Yeah, I did appointment viewing. Yeah. Oh, appointment viewing. That Okay, so appointment viewing is very important for what we're going to talk about next. Okay. So, whenever we get a guest onto our program, because we know that Doctor Who is not the end-all and be-all of their fandom, we wow. ask our guests to bring on another show to talk about. So, Ashford, would you be so kind to tell us what show you have chosen and why you have chosen it? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I chose Boy Meets World. All right. And, um, you know, we were corresponding back and forth. And I've been, like, really out of it and discombobulated and a horrible time manager. And I want to give you guys a response quickly. So, And I wanted to respond to something where it was easy for you guys to... Uh, like access it so I knew it was on Hulu alright mm-hmm. so and I thought Boy Meets World is something where I didn't pick a show where it was going to be 50 minutes and I thought it would be fun in and out so <laughs> <laughs> so I chose Boy Meets World but I, that's a show that I like because I, I guess you know because I do a Seinfeld podcast and I'm a big time 90s person I think uh, Seinfeld, they did this without knowing it. They kind of really promoted that uh, second childhood immature male. Like this is a new type of male definition. You know, uh, don't worry about if you can put together and take apart a 1957 Chevrolet in your garage. It's all good, I guess. And the bromance between Sean and Corey, which is kind of broached in this one part episode. I thought they really, um, they took that to another level. And then if you watch the show Psych, they really took the bromance to a level beyond uh, repair or belief. You know what? Um, That's definitely something I wanted to talk about was the relationships between the characters and how we see evidence of that before this program and after this program. And, And again, and I don't know about Brent here, I had never watched this show prior to a couple of days ago. I apologize. So once you, 
No, no. There's <laughs> no apology needed. And the reason I kind of brought this up now is you talked about watching Doctor Who as appointment television. And I, I, that is a term that is not really popular anymore, right? Because, because of streaming and Netflix and everything, if I miss an episode of a particular program, I know that I'll be able to pick it up and watch it either the next day or a couple of days later. But this wasn't always the case, so I'm kind of curious, when you first started watching this program, was it appointment television for you then? How did you start watching this show? Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. This is weird. Okay, so I remember when the show first came out, and I watched it like, oh, okay, this is kind of funny, but I stopped. And then when I went to college... Um, some neighborhood friends or some high school friends, we went to the same college, and they were watching it. And not like irony watching it, but almost. Right. And I ended up like really liking the show. So I went away from it. It wasn't something where like once it first came on, I just watched it, watched it, watched it. But then I love the quirky humor of it. And it's one of the first shows where it was like very hyper aware of itself. And um, it was... I. I think it was one of the first shows where it's like, hey, we're being meta and like we're really being meta about this. Like, I think it's one of the first shows to really poke fun of itself. And another reason why I chose this show, it shows you how, okay, like let's say a show is really good. So the first two episodes, the first two seasons, they're good. And if the show is really popular, a lot of those writers, they'll go like, well, I'm doing such a good show on Family Ties. I'm doing such a good job on Family Ties. They, they're offering me to do my own show. So a lot of the original writers of the first two seasons, they leave. So like, okay, now we got a new crop of writers. And it's kind of like, okay, you've seen the show before. Kind of do your thing. But a lot of times I call these shows, we're begging to be canceled. So like when you watch Boy Meets World, like kind of seasons one through three, they do the quirky stuff, but they, they're actually trying to teach lessons but as you can tell, like, as the show goes on, it's kind of like, dude, they renewed us again? Okay, let's try to get canceled. All right, well, I know we got canceled, so I'm going to go make some vacation plans. No, 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 no. Before you do that, they renewed us again. Are you kidding? Okay, watch what we do <laughs> this time. So, uh, and you see that, like, there's a show called Californication, where the first two seasons, they're very poignant. Like, they kind of hit you in the, you know, in the, the pool pit, as I say. And then once they go from like season three on, it just starts getting ridiculous. But it's fun. But uh, yeah, I didn't do uh, then. Like towards the end of the run, I started appointment television. Like when they became adults. But like mm-hmm. kind of like the first, like the last two seasons. Well, how about you, Brent? Uh, had you watched this prior to this recording? Uh, no, nope. I had never seen this show in my life. But I, I. <laughs> I'd heard of it, of course. I remember when it was on. I just never watched it. So uh, in preparation for this podcast, I watched about two episodes per season, roughly, and I really enjoyed it. And I hate that I didn't follow along when it was first on. Um, To me, the thing that sets it apart from most shows is, you know how comedies are just comedies, and then once in a while you get the whole very special episode of whatever, um, and they mix in a bit of drama. Well, this show had that almost every week, which made it more relatable to me. It was more realistic. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. And I have to say, 
I gotta say this: it stars Ben Savage, who was the younger brother of Fred Savage, uh, William Daniels, who was the voice of Kit in yes. Knight Rider. Thank you. And uh, Sean was played by probably the greatest stage name in Hollywood, Ryder Strong. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed it. It was it was really a lot of fun. I have recently been trying to go back and recreate my television watching history um, mm. because my family didn't have a TV for the first chunk of my life, uh, and so I missed all of them. And we should say that this was a part of – it was one of the parts of a, a long line of ABC's TGIF lineup, right? Like uh, I heard for years everyone talking about the ABC's TGIF lineup. I never watched any of it. And I was trying to figure out what exactly did I do on Friday nights if I wasn't watching these popular shows that all my friends at school were talking about. And I was mainly watching stuff on USA, like The Hitchhiker, Ray Bradbury's Theater, and The Swamp Thing. I think during the time that my friends were watching that kind of stuff, I was watching genre, a little bit more genre. I I wasn't into popular programming. And I'd always assumed that these family sitcoms were sort of vapid and didn't go anywhere and there was no continuity. And so when you suggested this, I'm like, this is kind of interesting because I've never watched it. I I don't have an opinion of it uh, outside of what my, you know, these preconceived notions, but I didn't even know what it was about. So I may have watched 20 plus episodes over the last two days uh, of this show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's all on Hulu. It's all available. And what I what I did is I went in and I watched the first and last episode of each season just so I could uh, get an understanding of where it was kind of flow to. I always wanted to watch the first episode because the intro music and animation changes every single time. It really speaks to where the time period in which it was being filmed. <laughs> and I also went online and typed in, um, you know, the episodes to watch in each season. Like, if you had to watch 10 episodes of Boy Meets World, what would it, what would they be? And, and I try to watch those. Most of which, as Brendan has already alluded to, are what they would call very special episodes, right? Like, <laughs> uh, dealing with death in the family or child abandonment or um, uh, one episode where Corey and Sean decide to dress up as women to see what it is to be a chick for the day. Um, and again, I'm watching this 90s programming through the lens of modern television, and and there is still some very problematic stuff in there, but surprisingly, for a 90s show, there was also some really good stuff in there. Um, I don't laugh at a lot of comedies in general, um, but I actually found myself guffawing on occasion. Uh, there is a line where I think it's like fifth, sixth, seventh season. Corey gets the room for the first time. Eric's moved out, and it's his yeah. room. And the mattress delivery guy shows up, and he here goes, son. The standard size, so and so by so and so. It's good for twenty years. And as they lean the mattress against the bed, they they you know he's like thanks, and they're leaving. And he, the guy leaves, opens the door back up, and goes. And remember. No means no. And then shuts the door. I'm like, that's incredible. That's... (laughs) It has nothing to do with the plot. It forwards nothing. But 
having just seen the episode where Sean dresses as a woman, uh, and and really effectively so, I, I have to say, um, it was it was a part of a through line that I thought this is kind of interesting to see a message being delivered to <laughs> young, I guess ado- young adolescents. So I I appreciated that there was a lot in here that I cringed at, but there was also a lot of stuff that I appreciated. You know, um, can, can I say something about the uh, when they dressed as women? Please I, do. I, Brent, did you I, see this episode? I didn't see that one. Okay, you okay. should you should you should check. It's it's um, I find shows in which the main characters go through embarrassing situations to be uh, difficult for me because I get embarrassed for characters. So I, I I had heard a lot about this episode. Sorry, read about it before watching it. And thought, oh, this is going to be really tough. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Ashford, please, you were saying. Okay, this may be another episode. There was an episode where Sean dressed like a woman. And he put thought into it. And they say, you know, we can just call you Rachel. And he's like, no, I, I want to be called Jane. I don't know if Veronica. those Veronica. Monica. Okay, so we're on talking about He wanted to be same. called Veronica. Veronica. And, and Topanga said, you thought about this before, Ivy? He said, yes. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> It was like it was. There have been episodes where, like, one time Sean was dating a a, a girl, and she was like, "Hey, you spend too much time with Corey. If you want to be with me, you can't be with him." So they handled it like a breakup. They were sneaking around meeting each other. Uh, There was a part where they had a split phone scene, and they did the thing where, "Okay, well, I'm hanging up now," and they put the phone down, and then they put it back up just to see, "Wait a minute, are they still there?" (laughs) <laughs> and then when they when Corey hung up the phone, uh, this is the part that's problematic. Where um, Eric, the older brother, he looked at Corey and he said, "I want separate rooms." And he was like, "Okay, yeah," and that's homophobic, so that's a problem. But just they really were doing that, like, "Hey, we are in love with each other." Just bottom line, and that's what this episode dealt with. We'll talk about that soon. Yes. Yeah, there. The you were talking about the first three episodes and the writers moving on after that. I found the episodes I saw uh, from the first two seasons to be a bit of the same for me. Um, you know, young kids getting into trouble, talking back to the elders, being essentially Bart Simpson kind of characters, uh, and you you don't get that level of commitment as friends as much it felt like in the in the episodes I saw but once seasons three and four started and we started getting a lot more of character development for Sean I started to see a lot more of that kind of bond and I felt that Corey became an impediment to my enjoyment of the show (laughs) (laughs) because he starts getting silly he starts – I feel like he gets the idea that he, he is successful in his endeavor as this star of the show. Also, I would also like to point out that I did not realize that he was Fred Savage's little brother. Yes! Uh, and I kept on thinking of it's like, who is this guy? He feels like the poor man's Fred Savage. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, from the Wonder Years, towards the end, they would do this thing where uh, Ben Savage, that plays Corey on Boy Meets World – he would come, like, as a figment of his imagination, like, when the Flintstones, they had that green alien that would just pop up for no reason. The Great Gazoo. Yes. He would come in and be Cupid. And you end up finding, like, oh, that's uh, that's Wonder Years Fred Savage's little brother. 
So when Boy Meets World came out, the fanfare at that time was, oh, this is Fred Savage's little brother. He has a, uh, a TV show like his brother did. But this show went way beyond. And like the people that were running the show, uh, they were really taking care of it. Like I think it's a guy named Michael Jacobs. Uh, some of the developers, I, I think they really cared about this show and the actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the the you know for a show about child actors or well, a show with child actors and lots of them, it was not nearly as abominable as it could have been. You know, uh, occasionally you'll get things like, I guess Full House has. I'm sorry, I just again haven't watched TGIF shows like I just didn't watch sitcoms but i just re- recall clips of the um uh, what are the twins called the, this what the, the olsen twins but also twins i wouldn't lump boy meets world with that because they were it, it was an aberration so like it, i wouldn't i don't consider the tgif lineup so there was this episode where Corey was, uh, Topanga had to babysit a, uh, like a five-year-old boy or something, and Topanga, and Corey wanted to have it like, okay, this is cool because I'll be her, be here with Topanga, the boy will have to go to sleep, and then we can have our private time. But the boy wouldn't go to sleep, and he said, why don't you go and watch the, the, the show with uh, the curly-haired boy that always gets in trouble every week and he doesn't learn any lessons? And they said, well, they changed it to 930. They said, but it was doing good at 8. What are they doing? They're trying to kill it. They're trying to kill it. They were talking about the show itself. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think the difference is the people who are watching this show, I mean, the people that were creating the show, they were watching Seinfeld and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they would watch that and try to throw that in here, whereas like something like Full House, I'm not taking shots at Full House, or you know whatever. I think they were more like, we're just doing what we're doing. Hey, uh, Ashford, let me ask you a question. Uh, we we asked ahead of time if there's a specific episode you wanted to talk about, and you picked one called The War. Why, why is that? Okay, so there were a couple of episodes. I wanted to pick something where, uh, like, it's really wacky, like, just so freaking wacky. And um, there are a couple of episodes, like I think in series four or five, that would have been good ones. But the reason why I like this one, it is so absurd. Like, it is so like, they are begging to be canceled. And you won't cancel the show because this is from season eight. So they're full on whack mode. Like, okay, when you watch a sitcom or a TV show, like characters would be what they are. And if it goes for too long the characters start being caricatures of themselves. Mm. And like, even within the show, they're making inside jokes. You can tell that whatever jokes they're making off set is coming into the show. Like it really gets out of control. Uh, You know, like even like, like a show, like a prestigious show, like cheers. Like if you watch that show, you will see characters kind of devolve, evolve, like all that stuff because it's going too long. Right. And, um, so the reason why I like this one, I remember the first time I ever saw it, my, <laughs> my mind was blown. I'm like, what? So you have a, an actor like William Daniels. He did the voice of Kit from uh, Nightcrawler. He was John Adams. So like uh, he was in St. Elsewhere. All right. Yeah. These are like, so the kids, they went to John Adams High because he was John Adams in the play. Right. Right, and then in a musical, and then there was one time where they were in a, a doctor's office or whatever, 
And they said over the loudspeaker, like, can Dr. So-and-so come in? It was his name from St. Elsewhere, which is a very <laughs> weird show. And, uh, and also William Daniels was in The Graduate. So it's already one of them things where, like, we're lucky to have them. Like when Three's Company got Don Knotts, they uh-huh. were lucky to get a dude like that. That's a, like he's a, he's already a national treasure. So you're getting William Daniels one to be in this goofball stuff, uh, the screwball comedy stuff. And then there was a part where he told <laughs> someone, "I don't know what you're talking about," and that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like. I like it. it. Yep. <laughs> the fact that this dude isn't like just taking shots of vodka. Like, can you believe? Like, I was on Broadway. I was. And the freaking graduate with, you know, Robert, not Robert De Niro, but like I was all this. And now I'm making like parlor trick jokes with these kids. What the heck? We're in the <laughs> 90s where everyone's clothes are baggy. What in the world am I doing? <laughs> it's yeah, beautiful. We actually haven't talked about Mr. Feeney yet, which is impressive considering uh, I find him to be the best part of the show. Listen. Yeah. And, and certainly the most engaging. And, uh, that very first episode where I, I guess Corey tries to – this is the first episode where he uh, uh, he wants to go to the Phillies game. Yep. But Eric is, is going on a, on a date, so he's trying to get out of detention. And he sits down with Mr. Feeney, and Mr. Feeney just flat out tells him – and as a teacher, I assume, assume you can appreciate this – basically says, this is my lunch play, uh, my lunch break get out of my face. And I'm like, <laughs> sold. I love this man. Hey, it, it, they have one where they were in high school and the Topanga said, you know, you're Mr. Feeney. You're supposed to get involved. He said, I show up. I teach. What else do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it, it, it's one of the things where it's just, oh my gosh, it's, and uh, William Daniels, Mr. Feeney's, his diction is immaculate. Yeah, he's amazing. And apparently, like, he's from Brooklyn. He had a strong Brooklyn accent. What? And, yes, he's from Brooklyn. Uh, the character, Mr. Feeney, is from Boston. But uh, right. William Daniels is originally from Brooklyn. He said, he said he had a strong Brooklyn accent. And when he was in high school, he was in some play where the people were from New England. And he just uh, he just adapted and just it, it became him. That is impressive. And speaking yeah. of, you said that because he was a part of St. Elsewhere – and they directly reference St. Elsewhere in Boy Meets World, then Boy Meets World is officially part of the Tommy Westfall universe, which is, of course, all TV is a part of the Tommy Westfall universe. Am I? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Uh, go uh, more. Give me more. Okay. Uh, this is the gr- single greatest moment in all of television. Uh, I didn't watch St. Elsewhere, but... When St. Elsewhere ended, the final moment, the final episode, is Tommy Westfall's dad coming home and checking on his son, who is autistic. And his autistic son is staring into a snow globe that has the St. Elsewhere's hospital in the inside. And it is essentially very strongly alluded to that all, I don't know how many seasons of St. Elsewhere that ran was made up by this autistic child oh my gosh. Uh, imagination. Now, because St. Elsewhere had like 10 different spinoffs, and many of those spinoffs had their own spinoffs, and then the actors from those 
made cameos in other television shows, and then those television shows had their own cameos that had nothing to do originally with St. Elsewhere. It's part of the, what is referred to as the Tommy Westfall universe, um, where all television is essentially united by this one autistic boy looking into <laughs> a snow globe. And so we can we can include uh, Boy Meets World into that because uh, because of that reference. That is... If you haven't gone down that rabbit <sighs> hole... I'm looking uh, at the charts right now on the Google. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, audience, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with this, please check it out. You're going to find some uh, spoilers for every television show every, ever, but there's whole websites, and I guarantee you there's a podcast dedicated to that. Um, there's what? a similar rabbit hole in Doctor Who at the end of um, Trial of the Time Lord. Was it all in the Matrix, remember? Oh, that's oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Are we just living in the Matrix? <laughs> yeah. So the question then arises, can we connect Doctor Who oh, somehow? Yeah. It's a six degrees of separation, right? Uh, or no, <laughs> six, degrees of, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Kevin um, Bacon. Can we connect Doctor Who to uh, St. Elsewhere? So that's your homework, kids. Uh, figure it out. Feel free to uh, post it on our Facebook group if you've if you've got it. I, I I will probably forget that I even said it until I listen to this podcast again later. But <laughs> um, yeah, Mr. Feeney's brilliant. Uh, and I'm Brent. Did you watch the last two episodes of the series? Uh, yeah, and um, I was a little disappointed because it was well. Okay, if I had seen every single episode, I would have really enjoyed those last two. Sure. Um, but since I was skipping around, I was like, wait, this is just a bunch of clips. It's like a best of, uh, with a few new scenes thrown in. Sure. Yeah. And I, and but, I felt, uh, I felt that way too. It was a bit of a, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I did enjoy it. As that show ends, I, who had never watched the show until 24 hours before starting watching the show, got a little teary eyed. Oh yeah. At the end. Oh, yeah, that last scene in the classroom. When Eric actually says the only thing, and again, spoilers for Boy Meets World, where Eric, who is not my favorite character, um, I, I the comically idi- idiotic brother, uh, like, there's a certain Darwinism to a character like that. You're not going to make it in this world very long. Um, but he, he, he has those moments of clarity where even the idiot can tell the truth. And he's like, there's only one thing left, and that's for you to tell us that you love us. Which is, one, pretty ballsy. Um, but I think it's in an act of what that character meant to that family. You know, having him as the Mr. Wilson type as being next yes. door. And then, and again, I, I haven't watched Saved by the Bell, but isn't there, isn't the teacher slash principal? But not like this, though. Does but he, he's there the whole no, time. No, no, yeah, but but he he's constantly moving to whatever school they're going to, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, like Mr. <laughs> Feeney is always there. They find a reason for Mr. Feeney to be there from from and I and I guess this is a a New England thing. But when I heard, oh, they're going to high school, no, they're going to seventh grade. You know, that's yes. for me. That's middle school, right? Six, that's seventh, and eighth school. grade is yeah. middle school. Then you go to a different school, and that's what it is in North Carolina and South Carolina. Apparently, it's not in Philadelphia. Um, and remember that was the '90s. Maybe now things are different, but yeah, I remember that confused me. Like, yeah, we're in high school now. I was like seventh grade. Well, I but, thought we had gotten a real time jump 
uh, and I was like, they don't look, they don't look like they've jumped four years in advance or three years in advance. But um, yeah, the, the, as you're the near. But yeah, I, I got a little teary eyed with that, and so the ending I think hit a good note, and it's entirely to uh, William Daniels' performance. Mm-hmm. But let's go back in time. I think five or six episodes, right? So we're still in season seven. The war. It's a two-parter, right? There's the first part of it. It's a um, two-parter. It is a two-parter. Did did you both watch the second part of it to see what happens? Yeah. Okay. So we can talk to, about both stories as a as an example because I think this is kind of fascinating because what this episode essentially seemed to be talking about was the relationships between everybody, and it wasn't just a single relationship. It wasn't branching out from say Corey, but how everyone interacted with one another. And while I think if you said, if you'd never watched the show at all, and I had just watched The War first, I probably wouldn't have appreciated this episode nearly as much. But once you suggested it, and I saw it was season seven, I also saw there were only 20 minutes apiece, and let me tell you, I was really super thankful for that. (laughs) I ended up spending far more time watching multiple 20-minute episodes than I would have been if I had watched you know, four or five 40-minute episodes or something along those lines. Um, But to see each of these individuals falling apart and referencing the continuity of seven full seasons, I appreciated that in the show. And I felt that the struggles and their... um, I feel like many of them were justified for being angry. Though I also felt that both Corey and Sean were best to put this i felt like we were watching season one Corey and sean where they Mm. just absolutely refused to see the situation from anybody other than themselves but ashford that speaks in many ways because it was their friendship was being attacked and their bromance as you call it um is is sort of at the, the heart of that right yeah you know um for something that's so silly when I was watching this, um, I was able to see, like, man, think about what this writer is trying to get across. So, um, and it, even though this show got wacky, like a bear showed up. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So that lets you know, okay, well, spend all belief. But, but think about the real issues they're bringing up. They're bringing up, like, because this was broached a lot. It's like, all right, you're about to get married. So what does that say about our friendships? And, um, Corey and Sean, they they almost like kind of eloped and ran away. And Topanga was like, okay, man, you kind of ruined my wedding. I'm being as patient as I can. So she was trying to do that whole thing of, hey, it's always Corey and Sean, Corey and Sean. I wanted to be something where it was the three of us. And then you guys went off and did something. And you, you went back to, it's just you two. She was like, hey, I didn't want to join your team. You guys are ridiculous. But I did that to kind of like, hey, and it's like, that's some real adult type stuff for this silly little show. I appreciated that. For listeners who haven't watched this show, when you have a character like Topanga, who is incredibly different season one to season two, like she comes off as as someone I would have hung out with. But just so you know, if we were if we were on this show, I would have been that kid at the table with the weirdos like that's. That was me in school. 
Uh, I would have been the kid wearing the cape all all the time. That's hands down. It would have been me and Minkus. Um, (laughs) She is very much a different character in in every season after season two. Like, she she becomes, quote-unquote, normal, uh, as opposed to, I think it's season one, episode three, Alternative Friends, where she's first introduced. Um, But she she and Corey get married at the age of 18. Like it's it, even though we as an audience have been kind of watching it and I'm assuming rooting for it for several years to have that happen is very impressive. So there are a young married couple fresh out of high school living together at a college that in itself could have been its own show. Like if you started a television show about a newly married 18 year old couple, uh, starting college together and all the trouble, you could make that into a drama. You could make it into a comedy. You could do a sitcom, any of those things that in itself could have been the focus for the rest of the show. And it wasn't, it was just one facet, which I, I think is quite impressive. Yeah. Um, that, uh, and, and then they, they create a girl meets world. Where uh, the actress uh, Danielle Fisher, I think that's her name, that mm-hmm. plays Topanga, she was like, "Hey, okay, if we're gonna do this, I don't, it, it, it can't do the she's pining after a boy, or the two uh, friends they're fighting over a boy." So th- because now that's not a th- that's not something we really want to put on TV as far as like I've been pining after this other, and I'm chasing after her and. They bring that stuff up as far as like, um, hey, sometimes your high school sweetheart doesn't, it doesn't work out. And they broached that on Girl Meets World. And that show, it was about um, two friends that are girls uh, about their friendship. And like, we see that a lot. Like, I haven't seen, um, I I haven't seen Frozen, but someone said like, hey, the the, the friendship and bond between two sisters with, with uh, Maleficent, same thing. Like, hey, a Prince Charming can't save you. The bond between these two women. And um, I'm trying to think of the one. It's a movie with the the long-haired redhead girl. Tang- where, like, oh, Tangled. Brave. Brave, yeah. Like, hey, I'm not going to wait to be saved. I'm going to save right. myself. So with those themes going on, we're not going to do one of those I'm pining after this boy thing. So it it's kind of cool to see the switch because things have changed as far as culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to um, jump up, jump in with. It's that 14 years later after this show went off the air, the Disney Channel launched uh, Girl Meets World, which was a sequel series about Corey and Topanga's kids. And um, yeah, it, it's like their daughter and the other girl that's on there, uh, Maya... Uh, she's sort of from the wrong side of the tracks. It's really a, a mirror of Corey and Sean as uh, as females. So you you watch that show as well, I guess. Yeah, um, and I love what they did. So with Boy Meets World, there in Philadelphia, and then with this show, they're like, hey, you know, we'll do that Brooklyn thing. That's that's kind of hip, and. Uh, and I like the, the you get and it was kind of cool because with the actress that played Corey's daughter, it was like they were like watch these five episodes because she was really doing some of the things that he would do, especially as the show went on. He started getting wacky. It was like she started right at that point. <laughs> 
yeah, I tried. I tried this morning to to watch Girl Meets World, and I got about ten fifteen minutes into it, and I'm like, you know what? That's yeah, pass. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, it's too much. It's yeah, it's. Um, I'm I'm going. There's one particular episode I think where the girl wants to wear makeup or something, and that one is pretty funny. I think it'll remind you of the old show. Yeah. Well, they're on Netflix if anybody wants to see them. But uh, I watched the first episode and the last one, and the tone was sort of similar to Boy Meets World. It wasn't as good. Uh, it was made by the same people. Same people. Yep. Yeah. And uh, this isn't. Mm-hmm. And this isn't really a spoiler, but there's a scene in the last one where Topanga says, uh, I brought some friends over to help, and they open the door, and it's all the cast members from yes. Boy Meets World. That was really cool. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and this is a neat one, too, where it was an episode where the girl wanted to kind of – because, you know, Topanga's scary. Like, they, they would always kind of broach that. And, um, and it's funny because the relationship between Topanga and uh, – the older brother, Eric, especially those college years, they would have these scenes where they were fighting each other. But anyway, um, the girl kind of stood up to her mom. Like, you know what? Everyone's scared of you and stuff. Like, I'm standing up to you, mom. And it was one of those, like, I need everyone to leave the room. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's just a topic they wanted to, to broach where, like, Topanga's a perfect mom, but even she's going to have a daughter that's going to, you know what? I just want to test the waters a little bit with my mom. Mm-hmm. And Corey, the father, like I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I got enough to understand who the characters were, were designed to be portrayed as, and Topanga be, went from being the weird new age hippie, uh, which I thought yeah. was really fun, to the perfect girl who never fails at anything, which I find to be a fairly frustrating trope. Uh, in 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 television and just in in general, but you, you know you have a lot to work with with that, and they they certainly played with it. Um, I could already see uh, Savage jumping back to his Corey character at the worst moments, which is he felt like who's uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop? <laughs> yep, like he go he has a character that kept on trying to create, especially in later seasons, a catchphrase uh, and a new one with each episode. And uh, and again, like I said, like it, it, going back to the war, um, I feel like he is written in a way to instigate problems where all you have to do is simply go, <laughs> you know, every, all the last six years have taught me nothing. Uh, I think we should all listen to each other and have a conversation because they did some pretty garbage stuff to one another. We haven't even talked about Angela and Sean's relationship, which uh, I imagine that this was going on in 1998, 1999. Yes. Having teenagers in a committed interracial relationship on, on television would have been kind of impressive. I I can't think again, I'm not the right person to ask uh, or talk about this subject because I just didn't watch popular TV at the time. But I can't imagine that was very common on TV. No, and uh, something about the war, like as far as like how meta and just entrenched the show we get. All right, so they get um, they get this guy to play Sean's half-brother, who is the middle brother of um, Joey Adams. Is that his name? 
Joey Lawrence. Jo- Joey Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who, I don't know who that is, but I, I know I, I've I hear him get referenced a lot. He Okay. I know he also has a weird catchphrase. He is he, okay, so, he played a, a good looking dumb guy on something? Yeah. So okay, Blossom. this is what happened. This is what happened. So in the eighties there was a show called Um Gimme a Break. And it was about a black lady that was a maid for this uh this American family, this uh Polish American family. It was the dude where he was a cop and his wife died, so he needed a maid. Right, and it was a play by a woman named Nell Carter, excellent actress, mm-hmm. and it was one of them shows where in the '80s, when the kids got older, they're like, "Hey, we need like a, we need an excuse to have a young kid so they could say that cute stuff." So they did this thing where they moved to New York, like because all the kids grew up. Nell Carter moved to New York, and uh, Rosie O'Donnell was on there. That was cool, but she, Nell Carter, kind of adopted. Um, Joey Adams or Joey Lawrence, like, and so he was a little kid. And then later you saw like that, the boy that's on Boy Meets World on there too. Like, oh, he got a brother. He looks just like him. Okay. But then there's a third brother. I think he's, there's a third one. So anyway, when, uh, but then we end up learning about Joey Adams with Blossom and he's like, whoa, that's it. Whoa. Whoa. So, I forgot that was the same kid from Give Me a Break. Yes. I totally forgot that. So, yeah, he's the, yeah. So, uh, now, okay, my TV trivia, like, from 1995 back is good. Things (laughs) going on on TV now, I have no idea. So, like, I'm a big-time Birds of Prey person. They say, who do you want to play uh, Black Canary? Um, I don't know, Sybil Shepard. Like, dude, I don't know. I don't know actresses now. I want Sybil Shepard to play her. Uh, Kate Blanchett. I don't know. I don't know actresses now. So, but anyway, um, yeah, that was neat. So when when they said it was something that was said that was very saucy, I guess. So Sean goes whoa, and they show the brother pointing out like, I know what you're doing there. I'm yeah. Like, don't you guys? This is this show isn't on the air for free. People are paying for this. That's why I'm like, this show spoofed America, man. I think in the final episode, he's talking to his younger younger brother, yes. um, who uh, I think they get pregnant either at the end of season six or the beginning of season seven. Um, the the parents, not not Topanga yeah. and Corey. Uh, so I don't I didn't see a single episode with this kid. I think his name is Jonathan. And he's talking about the, what it's like to go out in the world. He's essentially recapping for the audience everything he's learned. And he, he's just like, yeah, you know, you're a boy and you're going to meet the world. He goes, oh, so that's what the show means. And I'm like, well played, television program. Well played. Look, guys, I just got to say this one thing. There's a part where <laughs> the, Eric, he's doing Shakespeare. Like, is when Eric graduated and he didn't know what to do with his life. And he's trying to do theater. And William Daniels, his character, Mr. Fiend, is trying to help him. And they're like, wow, you did a great job in the Shakespeare play. Why don't you come out to L.A.? So the show is supposed to be in Philadelphia, but since they're originally in L.A., you can see that behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh-huh. And they showed this one studio line that said, um, young man gets acquainted with the universe. Oh. And uh, Eric is on this show, and things aren't going well. And the, the, uh, <laughs> the producer or director, he goes to the back to yell at the writers and it's like these four-year-old kids. He said, you're all fired. <laughs> and this one kid, he picked up the phone and said, Mom, I got fired again. 
<laughs> and see, that's why I was. That's why, like, why Boy Meets World, guys? Listen, I know it sounds silly, but I'm telling you now. You go watch Family Guy. Go watch these shows, and then like you go back and watch Boy Meets World. They were doing that back then. Yeah. These non sequiturs and stuff, and the self-referential and the the meta stuff. They were doing that back then, sneaking it in on a TGIF thing. Yeah. Whereas on Full House, when they were sitting on that bed and go, look, Michelle, the reason why I didn't want you to open the cookie jars because, you know, we need to learn how to share and to do your sh- fair portions. That's why I told you not to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you recommended it when you first gave it to us. I, I will freely admit I was a bit concerned. But I think, <laughs> but because I think this is the first really non-genre show that we've we've had. You know, everything sort of falls into a cult hit or yep. British type of show, and this is very much very different from most of what we've done so far. And I didn't know how I was going to feel about it, but I came at it um, almost like an ethnographic way. I, I I did my homework, I did my studying, and I watched it and. And I quite enjoyed it, despite a lot of things. I think that's what it is, like, as far as, like, you know, hey, you know, what do you bring to podcasting? And I think with Seinfeld, Birds of Prey, the background of Sandra Kane, Doctor Who, I feel like I'm so unorthodox that, like, and then, like, the type of people I bring on, it's, I'm like, I don't think anyone's talking about it from this angle. You know? And think about the conversations we've just had with this silly show, Boy Meets World. Yep. I think it's uh, it's good. I had mm-hmm. fun, uh, and I hope I hope you have too. Uh, Ashworth, thank you so much for joining us on Who and Company. I can't wait to tell my friends about this. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for joining us on Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom, stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show at patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. So, Ashford, uh, we normally just put our shows we'll say like your name and then the, the program you're talking about and i know a lot of podcasts will will come up with punny titles for their ep- individual episodes honest to god if we decided to to try that starting with season three we are absolutely going to call this the topanga conundrum <laughs> yeah oh my god oh you're good <laughs> yes the topanga <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, this is going. This is going as an outtake at the end of the credits. But I might not watch it. I might not watch it because that episode gave me a headache. No, look, it's a pagan. I love this. This is crazy. <laughs>